So we'll do a Sutta reading now and um, like a little commentary. We can go passage by passage. Before that, uh, if you read the entire Sutta, it's going to be linked in the description of this video. So read it beforehand and then come back to the video so that, that you can follow everything that's being said. <clears throat> so it's a uh, Makata Sutta, the monkey. It's in Sanyutta Nikaya. And it starts like this. Because in the Himalayas, the king of mountains, there are rugged and uneven zones where neither monkeys nor human beings can go. There are rugged and uneven zones where monkeys can go, but no human beings can go. <clears throat> and there are even and delightful regions where both monkeys and human beings can go. There, along the monkey trails, hunters set out traps for catching monkeys. Those monkeys who are not foolish and frivolous, when they see the trap, avoid it from afar. But a monkey who is foolish and frivolous approaches the trap and seizes it with its hand. He gets caught there thinking, I will free my hand. And then he seizes it with his other hand. Then he gets caught there. Thinking I will free both hands, he seizes it with his foot. Then he gets caught there. Thinking I will free both hands and my foot, he seizes it with his other foot and he gets caught there. Thinking I will free both hands and feet, he applies his muzzle to it and he gets caught there. Thus, the bhikkhus trapped, the bhikkhus, that monkey trapped at five points, lies there screeching. <clears throat> he has met with calamity and disaster and the hunter can do with him as he wishes. The hunter spears him, fastens him to that some block of wood and goes off where he wants. So it is because when one strays outside one's own resort into the domain of others. Therefore, because do not stray outside of your own resort into the domain of others, Mara will gain access to those who stray outside of their own resort into the domain of others. Mara will get hold on them. <clears throat> These are the five codes of sensual pleasure. So it's important to note here, because often, uh, often people might not necessarily realize the extent of the sensual pleasure this, um, that the sutta would generally be describing. Um, so it's not all the sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touches. Because people would assume, aha, everything I see is thus sensuality. Everything I hear is thus sensuality. Thus I must stop seeing everything and hearing everything. No, it's the particular sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, as it says here, that are cognizable by the eye, ear, nose and so on, that are desirable, lovely, agreeable, enticing, um, enticing pleasure, lust and wanting more of it. So it's important to, to recognize that you don't need to say no to everything and like, you know, stop seeing things or stop hearing. That's impossible. And there are many suttas that would have said that would fall into a wrong view and wrong practice. But you need to take responsibility for acting towards and intending and uh, welcoming, entertaining things that are agreeable. So it's really the agreeability of sight, sound, smell, taste, touches. That's the trap. Not sight, sounds, smell, taste, touches. It's it's the 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 sights, for example, that are come that you come across in the world that then you find agreeable, which is still kind of part of the sight. So agree, you don't need to remove the agreeability either. Like the the trap that hunter sets there. It's fine if it's left alone. If the monkey doesn't touches it, there is no issue. It doesn't matter how sophisticated. The trap is how agreeable the bait is, how you know enticing its smell and visual the whole the whole the whole part of that trap doesn't matter how 
how much um, effort has been put into it for you to be trapped, you can't get trapped unless you reach it with your hand. So unless the monkey goes with it, goes for it, no, no trap can get it on, get him on its own. And that's the point. So it's removing the welcoming and delighting in the agreeability of sight, sound, smell, taste, touches. So developing the mind um, to the extent necessary to not act on impulse upon seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching things that are agreeable. And, uh, and that's, if, that's, if that's developed sufficiently, then you will be able to leave these traps alone. So the traps will just remain standing there in the world and the hunter cannot see you anymore because you are not uh, getting trapped. You're not, uh, you're not reaching for the things that, that are outside of your domain and then the hunter cannot see you and cannot do what he pleases with you. So that's the, the important point to recognize that it's not about removing all the sense objects. It's about taking responsibility for acting towards them um, through taking on the virtue and sense restraint and then basically learning and training your mind to be able to um, not welcome and delight in those sights, sounds, smell, taste, touches that are of agreeable nature. Then in the agreeable, they're just agreeable. In disagreeable, they're just agreeable. They're just disagreeable. There is neither lusting towards agreeable, nor is there uh, aversion and resistance towards disagreeable. So the mind will be peaceful if that is sufficiently developed. <clears throat> so then the Buddha carries on saying the same thing. So move in your own resort, because uh, in your own ancestral domain, Mara will not gain access to those who move in their own resort and in their own ancestral domain. Mara will not get a hold of them. And what bhikkhus is this um, resort of yours? What is your own ancestral domain? It is the four establishment of mindfulness. So it's the four reference point of that uh, peripheral awareness that we talk about that, will, that would sustain the context of whether agreeable, whether disagreeable is present there, whether there is a trap um, in, in front of you, you will not lose the sight that it is a trap. You will not forget that it is a trap. And the clearer your discernment of the danger of the trap becomes, uh, the, the easier will be to not reach out for it. So you reach out for the trap. A monkey reaches for the trap when he ignores the danger or if he's completely unaware of the danger. So even if you become aware of the danger, um, you might become careless and frivolous, as the Sutta says, and then you forget about the danger. And then you think, well, you'll handle, you'll handle it. You know, I'll handle the hunter and so on failing to understand that any any contact with the trap implies the, the ultimate imminent danger of death, basically. If the mind is within the domain of sensuality that doesn't belong to it, if the death occurs at that time, as the suttas would say, uh, that's, that's why the de uh, dying experience of dying experience of death, experience of the cessation of the senses will be extremely painful and unpleasant. If the mind is withdrawn from the domain of the senses, when those senses break apart, the mind will not be perturbed by that. So that's that imminent um, kind of an universal danger that's uh, that's inherent in every in every um, in every sense and every trap. However little, however small, however insignificant, it still carries the same nature of the same danger. 
So four foundations of mindfulness basically means thoroughly established in four reference points whereby you cannot uh, forget, ignore, and become frivolous and careless in regard to the obvious danger of going down the pathways of your five senses um, and accepting the agreeability of it and enjoying the pleasures that come as a result of it. <clears throat> so in these four reference points would mean the context will remain established throughout them, throughout them. Regardless of which reference point, reference point is kind of currently established, the, uh, the same context will endure through it, the context of discernment of that danger and the, and the right order, as we said so many times. So this is that resort that uh, uh, a mind can find safety in. And that's pretty much what, what Nibbana is, like, um, as, as we said many times before. It's not, uh, Nibbana is not, you know, a mystical experience or a special kind of um, phenomena that will wait for you at the end of your practice, like a magical revelation or something. Nibbana is this very thing, establishing yourself in the resort of safety, withdrawn from sensuality, uh, that uh, does not fuel passion and aversion further, and uh, it will make them sort of evaporate and dissipate if you, if you stay in that safe resort. So once uh, you have spent sufficient amount of time in that properly established mindfulness and the right view, um, your mind will cool down. Cool down of passion, cool down of aversion, cool down of resistance, cool down of fatigue, cool down of wrong views and wrong assumptions. And that's what exactly Nibbana is cooling down, the literal meaning of Nibbana. So if mindfulness is sustained correctly, that results in a, in, a, in a thorough discernment and knowledge of the danger and withdrawal from things that are not yours, from the domains that don't belong to you, that are set as traps, pramada, then uh, that will be the experience of Nibbana. And um, so for as long as a person has their you know, functioning faculties and intelligence, uh, such experience is possible for everyone to develop.